Welcome to the Proximo Weekly Digest with me, George Kachadurian. Our top stories this week. Rhode Island is filing a draft request for proposal with state regulators for the procurement of 600 megawatts of offshore wind. If approved, a final request is likely to be issued to the marketplace early next year. The State Office of Energy Resources will oversee the RFP, which will be developed by National Grid. Rhode Island is planning to source 100% of its power requirements from renewables by 2030. Octopus Renewables Infrastructure Trust has completed the acquisition of 100% of the construction-ready Serrazou onshore wind farm in the Vienne Department of France from RES. The eight-turbine project will have a 24-megawatt capacity and benefit from a 20-year tariff under the 2017 DCCR contract for difference regime. Project construction will be carried out under a full wrap contract by RES, as expected to be completed by Q3 2022. The wind farm was acquired for a cash consideration of 56 million euros, including future construction payments. Global investment firm KKR has launched a Virusent infrastructure platform to acquire renewable energy assets in India. Virusent currently owns 317 megawatts of solar assets located in Maharashtra and Tamil Nadu. KKR has also entered into definitive agreements to acquire other operating solar projects across three different states and they will be added to the platform. Virusent is led by CEO Sanjay Grewal, who will be responsible for identifying, planning and executing the investment opportunities. And finally, Vestas Wind Systems has signed an agreement with Mitsubishi Heavy Industries, MHI, to acquire all the shares in their 50-50 joint venture, MHI Vestas Offshore Wind. MHI, in turn, will receive 2.5% of shares in Vestas, valuing the transaction at 709 million euros. The transaction is expected to close towards the end of the year or start of 2021. The two companies also announced that they intend to collaborate on green hydrogen projects as well as the setting up a joint venture in Japan. So it's now time for the first of our weekly quick fire speaker interviews uh, for the Proxima Weekly Digest. And I'm delighted to be joined this week by Daryl Murphy, Managing Director and Head of Infrastructure at Aviva Investors. Daryl, how are you? Uh, very well, thanks, George. Good to speak to you. And you as well. Um, so tell us, what's been your top story of the week and why? Well, um, I, I guess I'm a deal person at heart. So uh, top story this week would be uh, the close, uh, financial close achieved on um, the A465. Um, a, a, rare, a, rare, a rare beast these days, I guess, in UK infrastructure, given it's a, a PPP style deal. But obviously, uh, you'll, you'll be aware it's the first um uh, such deal under the uh mim model in wales so that reached sort of signing this week which has uh, been a um great great achievement all round and certainly one that uh, we're very pleased to be a part of on the debt side so that's uh, that's a good highlight it's always good for me internally as well when we when we close deals this time of year Fantastic. Yeah, no, that is a very good timing. And can I ask a very quick follow up about the MIM model? Um, mm -hmm. It's not something I'm too personally uh, acquainted with. Can you give me a bit of a primer on what yeah. that is exactly? Yeah. So to some degree, it's been developed over and many people will be aware that uh, the Welsh the Welsh sort of PPP program has been developing. They, were, they looked uh, quite closely at the I guess if you look at models we've seen historically, the um, MPD, not you know, non-profit distributing model in Scotland, um, but also how, um, I guess, BSF 
uh, model and sort of PFI PPP developed in the UK. And in a way, it's it's morphed those models on. So it's a model where there is um, government investment um, alongside. But the, the part of it for me is that it tries to embrace the idea of connecting to outcomes and having a social impact. So there are actually contractual levels of um, commitments that the the the, the, um, the the overall developers made in terms of impact to the local community. So I think it, it's it tries at least to address some of the failings you might argue of PFI PPP historically. Mm, so it has, a, if you like, a kind of ESG built in element to it um, that builds on the the kind of standard PPP framework. Yes, definitely. I think I think the uh, the the S the S in um, uh, ESG in the context of PPP is being addressed by this, and I think I think it's uh, it, it offers maybe a glimmer of hope. I've I've tried to uh, you know we've tried to move on from the big debate about you know the use of PFI PPP, but I think it is important that um, that we see this model work because I think I think the private sector's got some work to do as well in in showing that actually um, the model can work for both the public and the private sector side, and I think that social angle is really important. Absolutely. So let's move on and tell us on a more lighthearted note, um, you know, people have been working from home for months now. Some people are going back into the office, but it is still a very uncertain time. Um, what's been your top tip for, for working from home? I think uh, my, my absolute top tip is uh, it's all about technology, first and foremost. So um, getting the right equipment, I think everyone now has realised is important. Uh, down to very prosaic matters such as having a decent chair. Um, probably the best purchase I made was my AirPods, uh, which I have at the moment, which have been revolutionary to me. Um, I think I think the more serious point is this has been about people. Obviously, it's really I think I've had to learn a lot about how to lead. Uh, it's it's felt like that all the way through spring and summer. How to get you know the best out of a team. When we're having to work virtually, I think collectively we don't, we've done well on that side. I think the new challenge is um, what I might say is how do we kind of change gear? Because I think I feel that probably generally speaking, people are a bit tired now. It's been hard work. I think many people obviously, are, you know, we, we like to talk about it's a little bit confusing. We're going into this sort of semi lockdown mode in many parts of the country so i think at the moment the weather's getting um uh, worse of course it's it's dark in the mornings so i think people's moods are changing so you know the biggest thing is i'm i'm looking certainly my teams it's about how to you've got to switch things up a little bit so my best tip is you know find a way of breaking the rhythm don't get caught on the hamster wheel as i call it um try and change the routine a little bit and um, I must admit, I love a quiz, uh, but we're all a bit quizzed out. So we're looking at uh, from a team point of view, how do we do something a little bit different? And uh, we, we're we going to embrace murder mystery uh, virtually. So that's my, my tip as well, which is try and find something a bit fun. And it is, of course, Christmas coming. So we're going to have to be a little bit more creative about how we celebrate uh, Christmas. But I think just try and keep that resilience going would be my my tip. And just just switch things up. Don't get don't get caught in a rut. Yeah, wise words indeed. And on the technology front, I completely uh, can can empathise. I finally uh, did bite the bullet and, and bought a computer monitor 
uh, you know, just a few weeks ago. And finally, it's uh, been completely revolutionary. So um, certainly even the small things like small things like that can make a huge difference. The it's, AirPods, it, though, also a good idea. Yeah. And it's, you know, Christmas is coming. Not that I'm, I'm getting commission from, uh, <laughs> from <laughs> for that. But the other thing I'd say is I, I sort of prophetically um, bought a very large screen uh, in the hope this is the this is a genuine story at Christmas time last year this was my Christmas present to myself which was a screen um, I subsequently bought a camera you know I've got a uh, everything set up on a, and a new desk and I did it actually ironically enough to try and work from home more and one of the things I realized which is really sad but I must admit I'm not the first person to say this people are saying this now a lot if you ask some of the people why they're going into the office in many cases, they'll go, it's because I've got two screens, if indeed you're lucky enough <laughs> to have two screens in the office. So actually, even my one large screen, it, now I'm thinking it's Christmas again. Maybe I'll go for two screens and that's, uh, that, that will take away one of the benefits of the office. Absolutely. Um, I certainly um, enjoy having two screens again. Um, so back to infrastructure. Um, mm-hmm. What's your been your favourite deal of 2020 so far? I think... I think overall, I'll go to I'll try and be objective to start with from a market point of view. Um, obviously, we went through a fairly lean period in the in the lockdown sort of summer period. I think I think, you know, we started the year by saying in the UK context, this should be a year of uh, where waste becomes a little bit more mainstream. Um, it's been perhaps slower than we thought, but I think I think you have to look at and I'll go big, right? So let's say I go big. But the uh, the KKR acquisition of Virador I think stands out from my point of view because I think it starts to show um, the direction of travel, and obviously you'd have seen more recently a kind of follow up in that sector with um, uh, with uh, First State, uh, if I can still call them that, uh, their, their acquisition on uh, SSE's share in Ferrobridge. But I think Virador for the size, I mean, the debate about trying to take Virador out of Penon was was something that was around for years and years. And obviously, it's a very, very large transaction. But I think I think it's interesting to start to see the waste to energy sector opening up to financial investors. And uh, and we're we're likely to see more of that as we go into into the next year. So I think that to me has to be the standout deal. I think if we're being a little bit more parochial uh, for ourselves, I think it's been nice to see nascent um, industries and lots of talk turn to action. And what I mean by that is, you know, we've made debt investments into um, into the Callison deal um on smart meters which is you know good to see that developing and you'll be aware there's been quite a bit of activity in that area mm-hmm. so it's good to see that becoming a little bit more mainstream and also um you know we've been quite active in the data center so it's it's always nice to go from having lots of conversations and discussions about hypothetical appetite to actually doing transactions and you know we, we we've we've seen deals closing across Europe and the UK on that side so i think from a from a sector point of view it's been good to see those sectors continue to become relatively more mainstream in infrastructure terms that's fantastic and i think sticking going to my last question and and uh, you know perhaps sticking with this idea of of sectors becoming more mainstream um you know is, is that part of your top prediction um as a leading uk infrastructure investor um you know what what would be your top your top prediction for the next let's say six months i i think i think we're going to see those trends going it's it's fairly open that um you know there's there's ongoing waste to energy uh processes let's just say um so i think we're going to continue to see that that side of it i think i think you know we've talked about digital we've talked about 
how you know actually digital's had a um a, a, you know has really been the the fourth utility and essential through covid lockdown etc um i think that continues to be the sector to look at and whether that's data centers but moreover i think the interesting thing whether it's six months or 12 months obviously we've seen a lot of fiber activity in the MA space and in terms of debt financing that will continue i think uh what i'm looking to is is the sort of next evolution of those uh, transactions many of those are fairly early stage into rollout i think i think maybe you know maybe not in six months but probably if we sat here in 12 months time we'd start to see maturing of some of those models and greater private capital going so fiber fiber does seem to be the future and then what I'm really excited about, I guess which I should moderate my, my excitement, is um, is 2021 for me should be all about uh, where we should have been 12 months ago, you'd argue, which is being able to push forward on net zero. And moreover, what's the pathway to get there? And I think what I, what I look forward to seeing is a little more clarity from government on how some of our nascent technologies are going to progress, whether we're talking about hydrogen, whether we're talking about storage, uh, CCS uh, or or even nuclear, I think this is going to become hopefully clear as we go into the, into 2021, and that's going to shape not just the next 12 months, but arguably the next decade. So you know, lots to be excited about. Yeah, no, definitely lots to be excited about, and I think that's a good positive a positive note to end on. Um, well, thanks very much for for giving up your time for a good quick fire interview, uh, Daryl Murphy, uh, head of infrastructure at Viva, at Viva Investors. Thanks very much. Thanks, George. Join Proximo's Weekly Digest next week for more information on the latest news stories in energy and infrastructure finance across the globe. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.